Hello and welcome to episode 727 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, August 14th. I'm your host, Paul Spore. I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on? Dude, it is so hot right now. Oh my god. Fan yourself with the money that you won in the DraftKings game. Yeah, I did. Let's go, man. Who who did it for you? Who was it a team effort or was there yeah, a I mean, pick it, or two that really, that it really was took the day? Really a team effort. Uh one I mean, I think I won by like forty something points uh in our contest. It was a little bit tighter in the Tout Wars. My Gianella made kind of a run. Uh mm-hmm. but I ended up uh winning that one too and so I won the period as well. Which did gets you put me... something in a tournament? Tell yeah. me you did. I did not. <laughs> oh my god. It's DFS one oh one. Yeah, it just I should have. I uh uh, you know, honestly, I had I you know when I set up when I set up my uh, my lines for earlier in the day, you know, I use kind of a dummy lineup. It, it's got some of the players and ideas of kind of what I want to build, and then mm-hmm. typically, you know, about an hour or so before lock, I'll make sure, you know, guys are in the lineup, move things around, things like that. Yeah. Um, and I wish I had run at least one contest with the the original dummy lineup because is it even better? Oh no, it's way worse. Oh, I'd like Matt Boyd uh, oh. instead of Jack Flaherty. Yeah, Flaherty uh, went off for you. Everybody but two guys scored double digits for you. Yeah, it was it was really a team effort, and uh, it was you know I mean obviously Yankees stack. Uh, against you know means in the Orioles is always a, a good idea. I faded Colorado sure. in Colorado, which yeah, you I think did. hurt a lot of people. You uh, went ten to you got in that ten to seven game with L.A. Pittsburgh. That's that's really what did it. I would say that yeah. that that effort with Bell, Frazier, and Otani was was really where it was at. You had Trout as well, but he was actually one of your underperformers, as was Glaber Torres, two of your most expensive guys. So, uh, great job there, though. Well done. Uh, I like that you had Joe Ross. Since it's on on the topic there, I wasn't going to bring him up, but uh, you picked Joe Ross. You're obviously familiar with what he's doing and liked his chances to to do something there last night. I when Joe Ross was a, a prospect, I I've always loved Tyson. I fell right for jo- Joe. I I did not pay him any mind this year. I was like, you got to show something. And we talk about players like that where it's like, until you show something, I'm not in, and I might lose you to a waiver wire. I don't care. But now he's showing something. You look at his last three starts for Joe Ross, uh, basically his August thus far at Arizona, at San Francisco, and then yesterday against a quality Cincinnati team. He's allowed just one earned run in 18 innings. Now, he does have 11 strikeouts, nine walks, but uh, this three-inning sample, he is throwing well. I've watched uh, watched the at San Francisco start for Joe Ross. Is he somebody that you're picking up and, and hanging on to right now? I don't know that I'm hanging on to him, but he's definitely someone I am. I'm kind of looking at the schedule and going, okay, is he usable in in the near future? He's not a guy that I necessarily want to run out there against elite competition, but, uh, I mean, if you had seen kind of this San Francisco and Cincinnati two-step, you probably probably would have wanted to use him. I mean, these are two offenses that aren't necessarily firing on all cylinders, so – uh, I used him yesterday largely because uh, he was home versus Cincinnati, and uh, he was extremely cheap in DFS. And I think that yeah, is kind was. of the the uh, the things you want to target is 
uh, you know, he, he was extremely cheap, allowed me to, like, load up on bats, uh, you know, and pair him with Flaherty. So I, I don't know that I'm holding on to him anywhere. I, I don't know where his next start is. Uh, he but, goes to Pittsburgh and then the Cubs. Yeah, and then home, home to Miami. Uh, you got to go Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah. if you're going to use them against Cincinnati at home, you're you're going to Pittsburgh. Like, yeah, they're, they're terrible. They they rise up every once in a while, like any team does. But you're not afraid of Pittsburgh. In fact, Dylan Peters tonight is an interesting spot start. Uh, they're dreadful against lefties. Now, Joe Ross is a righty, but I think the point stands. And you know, at the Cubs will be tough, um, but Miami after that. So mm-hmm. with yeah. Joe Ross, you might want to just be putting him on your bench as opposed to letting him get dangle back out there on the waiver wire. If he dominates at Pittsburgh, there is a scenario where I would start him at Chicago. I will say that with Joe Ross. Uh, it's not Ooh, set right now. For me. I just, know. The, the I got to see what's at Pitt, though. The upside is just so limited. I mean, in two of these last three starts where he's been very, very good, he's only had three strikeouts. But – I, I think a lot of that right now is Joe Ross looking to survive and doing so. Mm-hmm. He's still getting swinging strikes. He's not really going for the strikeouts. I think as he settles, we could see a little bit more of the strikeout upside because he does have an 11% swinging strike rate. Yeah. So anyway, that's just where I'm at right now with, with Joe Ross. It's definitely something to pick up and stream uh, to your point. For the at Pittsburgh, sure. Maybe not for the at Chicago, but then home against Miami to cap off the month. You would definitely want to get back in on that. A little tangent there. Uh, we got a lot of news and notes to cover today, so we're gonna we're gonna cover that, kind of get your outlook on some of these guys, whether it's going forward for the rest of this season or into 2020 because of some injuries. Then a few performances that have been going off, and I want to get your thoughts on where they're at, especially their 2020 outlook. But let's just start with some unfortunate bad news for Pittsburgh. This came out oh, of nowhere. But I mean, shouldn't we start with like the big good news? As that you're going to, to Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> I was going to talk about that at the end, but that's fantastic news. Oh. I, I just figured we, we you know we should start off on a high note, and then I'll, I'll be at Arizona we did. first pick. You got the you won. Relax. How many high notes do you need today? I need all the high notes. Clearly, clearly. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're going to be there. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I'm really excited to be honest. It's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun, and I mean just the people that I know are going. It's it's going to be even better this year than it has. I mean, it gets better every year. It really does. We, we, we talk up this event. They don't pay us. You know, it's, it's not anything like that. We wait, talk wait, it up. They're not paying us? Love it. No. Oh, okay. We talk it up because we truly love it. It's been, it's been great. And uh, I'm really excited that you're going to be there. I will say, though, that the, the lunchroom meme with you on the outside was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, did you see the, the first birth, uh, first birthday version of that? No, I didn't. Oh Sent yeah, alien yeah. all memes to me. Yeah, I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to send you the one uh, that uh, after I announced that I was going to be going, uh, there was a, a kind of a response meme that <laughs> yeah, because you're gonna miss it out. You're gonna miss the first birthday, but like, eh, it's the first birthday. Come on, come trust on. me. I, I feel like a crappy dad and everything. At the same time, she's not gonna know I'm missing it. Uh, no, no chance. And then know. honestly, honestly, it'll become like. Probably a funny thing, Dad. You gonna skip my birthday this year, like you did when I was one? You know, and that like that's that's kind of a funny jab that uh, <laughs> that you guys can have because you know Danielle's gonna bring it up. So oh, yeah. uh, that, well, I'm sure it'll be a funny jab all weekend. Oh well, yeah, that's a hundred percent on the weekend this year. But I'm mm-hmm. talking like when she's twelve, yeah, and it's the day before her thirteenth. Oh yeah, birthday. She's, no she's... way she lets this go ever. No, no, 
Nor, nor should she, thankfully. Oh, yeah. uh, so it'll be great, great meme fodder for the future. But let's get back into this news. Jameson Tyon down with Tommy John out of nowhere, really. I did my, uh, I did a little top thirty podcast yesterday, and I talked about a group of honorable mentions. Uh, Tyon did not make the top thirty, but he was in the next twenty honorable mentions, thinking that it was going to be an off season of rest and rehab, coming back from from the strain that he had. Nope, full scale Tommy John out twenty twenty. And uh, it's really tough now to to be, you know, all that bullish on Jamison Tyon. It's just it's one thing after another, and it it really sucks because this is a a career that's being cut uh, short that I think really could have been special. I'm a big Tyon fan, loved him coming into the year. He only had a 4.10 ERA in his first seven starts, but I was not deterred at all. My, my my love about what he could do was still very high, even with the strikeouts underwhelming a little bit, 30 and 37 in the third innings. The way he was throwing was strong, but then the flexor strain, the right elbow flexor strain turned into Tommy John, and like I said, out 2020. In Dynasty, where you at now with, with Jameson Tyone? It, would you take the pennies on the dollar, or you just ride it out and, and put them on the stash? I mean, I'm always about taking pennies on the dollar, especially if I know that 2020 isn't uh, going to uh, be profitable for me anyway, so there may be a league or two where I go try and acquire uh, tie-on. That being said, oh, you'll pay you'll pay the pennies on the dollar. Sure, why not? Okay, yeah, no, no, that's fine. I misunderstood you. I thought oh, okay. you were saying you, you would take it and 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 start selling off your shares. I mean, it depends on. I mean, I don't know if I would sell off my shares unless I was in a league that didn't have a lot of IL slots. What if somebody every... gave you... This name's probably too hot right now because we can still dream on it, but I feel like in two weeks it, it could be more reasonable. I was going to say like Aristides Aquino. I'm trying to think of somebody who is like that flash in the pan, though, that somebody just say, you know what? You can have this guy right now. It's kind of out of nowhere. I think Ryan Goins is too low and Aristides Aquino is too high, but do you get the vibe I'm trying to go mm-hmm. for here? I don't know that I would necessarily. I I don't believe in Akimio. So would would you take Talkman for Tyon, or would you trade Talkman for Tyon in a dynasty league? I would trade that, Talkman for Tyon. Okay, and so then you would trade Akino too. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Well, that's that's where you're at. Then there's not much else to say right now uh, about what Jamison Tyon. It's it's a massive bummer. Like like I said, it struck me out of nowhere. I was talking to him yesterday. I was actually kind of getting excited. Like, oh yeah, we'll be twenty twenty back in on the tie on train, and then boom, TJ, uh, Jake Arrieta elbow, IL out for the year. It looks like terrible. Anyway, um, you know this one doesn't really move the needle as far as like oh no, fantasy teams are are toast. It does cost them some innings, though, right? I mean, when we start talking about fantasy versus real life, it's one of those things where he was still eating innings. And while he was not particularly fantasy viable with a 464 ERA and a 147 whip, uh, Jake Arrieta, I mean, that's that's grinding out like just worse than a quality start every time out. That's useful for a real-life team. So now they have to go replace that. But what is your outlook on Jake Arrieta going forward? Because I was a 1,000% out this year. And you ain't getting me back in next year, that's for sure. So, so where are you at now with an elbow injury that's likely to cost him the rest of the season? Yeah, I was right there with you. I, I'm, I'm out obviously for this year. I think you can, you know, you're safe to drop him in just about every format. I, I can't yeah, imagine. Yeah, no, I, I, I say full scale drop, yeah. even now only here for so, Arietta. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm, I'm gonna stay out next year. I mean, yep. the, the price is gonna be nothing. So. 
if you want to take a shot on it, I just think you can get, uh, you know, Sixto Sanchez or something like that, probably in the same spots. Yes. Yeah, so. or buy back in on some of the prospects who didn't pan out this year, like a Jesus Lazardo, yep. Forrest Whitley. That's AJ the draft Brock, range. Yeah. And so why even why even take the Arietta shot? Because be say those prospects, yeah, and those prospects come up, and let's say they're more of like this year's Jake Arietta, but they have the upside to be like good Jake Arietta if we're really if we're keeping it in the scope of them versus Arietta. So I'm with you, full scale pass. It does put. Zach Eflin back in the rotation, I believe. And mm-hmm. he's had flashes this year, but obviously was poor enough to get kicked out. Where do you stand with Zach Eflin as a mixed league pickup? It's funny because last year we were looking at those underlying numbers going, man, there's some room for growth here, but he can't keep the ball in the yard. Yep. And uh, would this shock you to learn that on June 19th, after his quality start at Washington, Zach Eflin had a 283 ERA? That would surprise June, me a little. June nineteenth. Do you know what his ERA is now? Uh, it's like four and a half, right? Yeah, it's four forty nine. Yeah. So he put up an eight ninety one in the subsequent thirty two and a third innings wow. there. And guess what? He gave up ten homers. So there's your there's your uh, se- segue back into what you were saying about keeping the ball in the yard. And that's I mean that's brutal. So is that your biggest concern here, and and why you might not be interested in him? Yeah, that's my biggest concern. I, I mean, I like the stuff, but if he can't keep the ball in the yard in Philadelphia, he's he's going to have problems. That being said, he's given up only one home run in his last four outings, mm-hmm. so that's a bit encouraging, though it's not like they, they face the Giants twice. Yeah, so. and then a trip to Arizona with the Humidor, and then the White Sox Where, weren't exactly scary, so, and yeah. it's like five innings. So I, you know, I feel you on that with Zach Eflin. The thing of it is he's going to look like an oasis out there on the waiver wire because even with the 449 ERA, it's still you know 118 innings, 99 strikeouts. You're going to see that, and it's, it's going to be enticing. Let me just kind of give you the schedule set up here a little bit. San Diego this weekend at Miami the following weekend. They only have a five-day schedule so he actually uh, next week. So he actually goes Saturday, Saturday uh, here for Zach I Eflin. That. I really – really just decided that I'm actually going to go pick up my one fastest finger league. I'm going to go get him now because why the heck not? Yeah. Take that shot. I mean, if he can, if he can get through San Diego, uh, he should have no problem getting through Miami. So yeah, why not take the shot? There's strikeout upside there. Uh, yeah, just, you know, hopefully you don't get burnt and there's always that opportunity with a guy like Eflin. Yeah, Eflin can do that. I will say it could be a two and jump off situation, though, because then it lines up Mets at Cincy, Atlanta, Boston. So it gets a lot tougher there. Zach Eflin would have to prove in the San Diego Miami starts and prove as much as you can in two starts that he is con- commanding the ball well enough to keep it in the yard or else it could be hell to pace. So I say get Zach Eflin for this Saturday, next Saturday, and then consider moving on unless we see something that really looks like that first half of the season. Uh, Let's talk about Robbie Ray. He left his start today with a little bit of a back situation, back spasms. Shouldn't be anything too crazy. It was only two innings in Colorado. Is this almost a blessing in disguise? I'm being slightly tongue-in-cheek, but also somewhat serious. They were in Coors Field. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you don't. If, you, if he's gonna miss a game, this is the one you want him to miss. And, you right? know, in his back spasms, he should be all right. So it's not, you know, I'm not wishing for injury or rooting on it. I'm just saying, like, 
you had a couple back tweaks there. You're like, oh, let me go. I'll just go ahead and get out of this one. I'd already given mm-hmm. up a run, two walks on it, and a hit. Uh, so yeah, you, you kind of dip out the here. long ball anyway. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just mm-hmm. saying. So, uh, with Robbie Ray though, I did want to talk a little bit about his, his 2020 outlook here, because let me ask you something real quick and get your thoughts. Where do you think he is on among starting pitchers on the Rasball player Raider? Mm, I bet you he's 26th. You're really good at this today. What was the other thing you guessed? Oh, yeah, uh, F1ZRA. Mm-hmm. Uh, 28th. Very well All done right. there. And that impresses me. I didn't. I wouldn't have said that high, uh, I think, because it's 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 a bland offering outside of the strikeouts, but those strikeouts, strikeouts are, are so strong with uh, Robbie Ray. And the simple fact is something that we've hammered home repeatedly in the last year plus. You don't need – to be the top of the scale of innings to rate well on these either. So you take a 399 ERA, 185 strikeouts in 140 innings, and 10 wins, and boom, you're 28th among starting pitchers. That's where Robbie Ray is. And he always costs fair market value. There was that one bid after the the sub-3 ERA where he was pushed up, and and that was that was an issue because it was very clear that he was not anywhere near a 89 ERA guy. Uh, but since then, you know, last last season's draft price, I think this upcoming season's draft price, 2020, I think Robbie Ray will be someone w- worth buying. You just you kind of know what you're getting, right? Yeah, I, I think I mean, if as long as he keeps the ball in the yard and doesn't walk the entire yard, and, and while four walks per nine isn't necessarily something we aspire to, for him, that's keeping people off the base paths. Yeah, because it was five last year, and it, it really ballooned Robbie Ray's whip to 135. And then all of a sudden you start to undercut the positives that he's doing with a passable ERA and the elite strikeout rate. So, um, yeah, but the back spasms shouldn't be anything too bad. Business as usual. You almost caught a break there, to be quite honest, though, because he was in Coors Field. Let's the, move the, on to Sean. The, the only uh, three pitchers that have a higher K per nine than Robbie Ray in at least 140 innings so far this year. Chris Sale, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander. Yep, there you go. And that's that's how you're 26th or 28th, despite uh, you know a solid but unspectacular ERA and, and a mediocre WHIP at, at 129 uh, for Robbie Ray. All right, Sean Mania, gonna be back after one more AAA rehab start. It hasn't been great in the minors with the results, particularly because of hits and homers. But the underlying skills in 24 and a third innings with 35 strikeouts and eight walks, at least somewhat encouraging here. Uh, he has split his time between high A and triple A, and he got blitzed in the triple A. Those, or excuse me, in high A. Those were the early starts. He was not going long, eight and a third over the three starts, and it was really bad. In the 16 triple A innings, it hasn't been that bad outside of the four homers that he's given up. So he's, he's Las Vegas, in Vegas, yeah, <laughs> yeah. His home park of Oakland for Shamanai is going to be a hell of a lot better than anything Las Vegas or the PCL has to offer. Are you jumping on the Manaya train before he comes up, or is it a wait and see approach? Do we know what his schedule is potentially? <sighs> Let me just go over the general schedule uh, for them and, and, and kind of eyeball it because. It's hard to know exactly when he's going to come back. So let me get that here for Oakland. Uh, let's see. And by the way, I think Jesus Lazardo is also working his way back. So the two of them could be coming in tandem here. So let's just start with next week. 
It's uh, New York for three. Don't want that, the Yankees. But another two-pack against the Giants. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, and then a four-pack against KC. So if he comes back in that six-day range, yeah, and that we would like that. plausible considering when he's having his final rehab start. So Yeah, that's I, from August 24th through August 29th. I think one of the encouraging things – well, the two, there's two encouraging things for me. Uh, one – that he's gone in his last two starts, he's gone six innings and then five and two thirds. When was that last one for Manaya? Uh, his last one was eight thirteen uh, at Kansas City. So yesterday, okay. Yeah. So uh, and he's gotten strikeouts in in those two starts as well. Eight strikeouts in that six inning stretch uh, and ten strikeouts yesterday versus Kansas City's Triple A team. So. He's okay. he's staying in the game deep enough to you know to get a quality start and uh, getting strikeouts. I think that kind of lends well to him having success at the major league level, especially getting a pitch in Oakland, uh, which is a nice little pitcher's haven. I think I would kind of grab him, especially in fifteen team leagues, even if it's just to stream him for a start or two. Yeah, even if it's just to see what's up with the San Francisco or at KC, if Sean and I, depending on when he comes back, if everything goes well with the last rehab, that'd be great. Uh, if it gets pushed all the way to the end of the month and he's in New York, that's a different story. But then it's home for six against the Angels and the Tigers. And uh, you know, even though the Angels have some difficult parts in their lineup, I still wouldn't be as afraid of, of starting him there. Uh, and then, of course, if it's Detroit, then it's all systems go. So keep an eye on Manaya. I agree. I think particularly if you're pitching starved and you're already turning over every rock, uh, you're, you're looking to get Eflin right now. You, you go get Manaya ahead of time. You shouldn't uh, have and, to spend anything either. Like that's exactly. the nice thing. If if you're running low on Fab or you're trying to conserve Fab for the last six weeks. Uh, you shouldn't have to break your budget to go get Manaya, and don't like mm-hmm. two, three dollars because if somebody else wants to overpay, let them. Because guys like Aquino, he did go high in a lot of leagues, but there were some leagues where he he's going, he was going low, and he was the hottest thing going right now. Uh, Aquino was, and and Talkman, and they were going at reasonable prices. So Sean Manaya should be a sub five dollar bet there for you, particularly if you're buying ahead of time. Uh, Alex Dickerson's going to be activated after an oblique situation with the Giants. Uh, Pablo Sandoval goes to the IL to take his place. They basically trade spots there. Dickerson was absolutely electric for the uh, 98 plate appearances that he put up before this IL stint. Six homers, three triples, 10 doubles, 386, 449, 773. Bunch of numbers, bottom line, he was kicking butt. Can he come back and and carry on in mid-800s OPS? Because he's not going to keep a 12-22. Nobody thinks Alec Dickerson is going to do that. Of course but can he can, keep, even your magic. I, I, uh, but but can he keep can he keep something in the mid 800s with some punch because that seems to be what he is as a power guy for Alex Dickerson. What do you think? Uh, I don't think so. I just I, that, and that's that, the Giants fan folks coming at you with the honesty. Yeah, I think he can be a uh, an interesting player and maybe kind of league average in your 15 team leagues, but I don't expect him to be anything worth fawning over. Uh, the park saps too much power. That lineup's just absolutely atrocious. Awesome. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, was try- I was trying to finish your sentence. I thought <laughs> awesome. yeah, I, we're not quite as in tune as we we will be after spending a weekend together in Arizona. Hell yeah. So, uh, but it's uh, yeah. 
I, I think you probably have missed the hot streak if you didn't pick well, up before. Duh. But um, again, I'm talking like I don't know. I think he, I think he can keep like a, a mid eight hundreds. Um, what I do like is that he comes off the IL. He gets the game today at home against Oakland, which but then they get, go on the road. Yeah, they're getting shut out at. Okay, so uh, if he's in that one, then then Homer Bailey's cutting him up. Uh, but this is Alex Nickerson we're talking about. Sorry with the with the pronouns there. But you know, beyond that, once they go on a, on a an away stand, a road trip, I should say, an away stand. Cool life, dude. I'm gonna quit. I quit the podcast. Here's Charlotte. You, you take over. An away stand. Sick brain functioning. Uh, anyway, he didn't play in today. Alex Nickerson did not play yeah. in today's game. But that, so he's going to be there for the roadie at Arizona at the Cubs. So I say pick him up if you need a little punch. If it is like mid low 800s with some power and you can afford a potential batting average hit, I think that's what you're really protecting against there. As you mentioned, the park always difficult, particularly for a left-handed guy. So I'm not saying it's it's anything near the hot streak that we saw. You know how he hit six homers in uh, you know 98 plate appearances. What's he going to get the rest of the year? Like 200. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say about four or five. Like he was gonna repeat that, but maybe in double the playing time. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't think there is no. enough. Uh, that's up- Alex Dickerson. I was gonna say I just don't think there's enough upside to warrant the the downside. That's fair. We'll we'll see how we'll see how it goes. And of course, needs needs vary. Uh, obviously, when you need offense, you're not hoping to go to San Francisco to look for it. Uh, there was some intrigue with him though during that hot streak. That's Alex Dickerson. Moving on, Jeff McNeil uh, hits the IL with a hamstring situation. I don't know why I keep calling every injury a situation instead of just an injury. Uh, again, my brain does not work today. I guess I'm just so excited to see you in October that I can't talk straight. But uh, I faded him a little bit this year. It was the one thing I will say. I did like him when it came to people wanting to prop up Joey Wendell. I was like, well, give me Jeff McNeil. I thought they were the same player. Give me Jeff McNeil as far as that goes. Um, so I had like a little love for him when it came to that debate. But overall, I can't say that I was I was really trying to get Jeff McNeil uh, beyond that. And he's really impressed. He's actually used a super happy bouncy fun ball to a 15 homer clip along with the great average. We knew the average was going to be there, but he's 332, 400, 529 with 15 yaks. He even thrown in four stolen bases. Granted, it's been in nine opportunities, but Jeff McNeil's been pretty nice. Uh, assuming this injury is not something that, you know, it, hamstring, it should be fine. Um, wh- what do you think of the multi-positional eligible Jeff McNeil for next year in 2020? I kind of feel like he is early career Justin Turner. Ooh. Where he's just getting that first power dose this year, yeah. but then could untap even more. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that fits the narrative. It's the average plays multiple positions. Yep. I the I, narrative works even more. Like you're doing kind of a weird thing here because Justin Turner was a Met as well. Mm-hmm. Now he didn't really break out with them, but that that gives it like an extra link. At least he could do it with the Mets, whereas Turner left and then broke out. So I'm gonna be very interested, especially. I mean, I'm not one of those guys that prioritizes average, but sure. he's third in the race for the NL batting title right and now. He's not – I really don't think that even if he comes back and he's fine, let's say he comes back in, in two weeks, continues on his trajectory of, of doing well, I don't think Jeff McNeil's price is going to soar. 
It's going to yeah. go up from last year, sure. but I don't think it's going to be egregious to where you're like, oh, I can't pay that. And if you get cheaper batting average, like you said, you don't prioritize it usually because it's too expensive. I, I think that's why you usually fade it. I mean, this is not perfect uh, analog because it was it was on Memorial Day and we've had plenty of excellence from McNeil since then. But he only went 257 in those drafts and, and he was already doing well. In fact, I can I can kind of look exactly where he was uh, around that time. His slash, well, he was on the IL at the time, but he hit, he was hitting 331, 418, 461. If McNeil was so, you know, he's been uh, better since, particularly with the power. But what? Even if he went up 70 picks from that 257 ADP, you're talking. Uh, I have no problem taking him at, at that at that level. Of around 180, 170. A guy who uh, could so hit you me, 20 home runs and a 300 batting average. Yeah, at the top of a lineup, speed. even even if it's not a great lineup, we'll see what the Mets do in the offseason and everything. It's not going to be an awful lineup. No, no. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm in on Jeff McNeil. It's a bummer they got hurt here, but just ride it out. Bring him back. He converted me. That's another point in the column for Alex Chamberlain, by the way. Two, uh, Jeff, two quick trivia questions. Cause yes. One's about McNeil. Uh because I'm looking kind of underneath the hood a little bit. I'm a bit concerned. Like, what do you think his O-swing percentage is? Well, you said you're a bit concerned, because obviously I would have mm-hmm. said not high because he's, like, such a good batting average guy, low strikeouts. Yeah, he's so I striking said, out at like, a 14% clip. Yeah, I would have said O-swing would be, like, I don't know, 15% or something. Mm-hmm. It's 41 <laughs> What's his O contact? Does he just have amazing plate coverage? Uh, I mean, he's got a 70% O contact. <laughs> percent. Okay. So he's making a ton of contact outside when he's swinging outside. Uh, so he's like, uh, you know, he's kind of Vladdy-esque here as far as like, as far as that, and obviously not the full uh, profile here, but as so far as that it really is. He could be striking out at only a 14% clip, but swinging outside of the zone that much. Uh, I mean, you know, that's reminiscent of, uh, well, not the strikeout rate. That's the thing. Anytime I find a comp, it kind of breaks down because the guys don't, uh, don't O swing that much. You said it's 40% on the O swing, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, no, this is, this one does work. It's kind of reminiscent of like an Eddie Rosario and, and he swings a lot and, you know, he doesn't have a lot of patience. He doesn't take a ton of walks, yeah, it doesn't walk. but he makes great contact outside of the zone. And if they can do damage on it. I'm all for it. So, you know, I'm, I'm here for this with, with Jeff McNeil. I am too. And like, like I was saying, good call out by Alex Chamberlain. McNeil and Talkman, whenever I heard their name all year, Alex Chamberlain is what I would think of. And uh, he had home runs with both. The Talkman one took a while, but uh, big ups to him. So Let's wait, move wait, on wait, wait. Hold on. Before you move on, uh, that was a piece of trivia one. So oh, yeah, that's right. There's two. There's two. McNeil is third in the uh, NL batting uh, title race. Christian Yelich is two. Who's no, who's leading the NL batting title race right now? Um, Josh Bell? Nope. His teammate though. Kevin Newman? Nope. Um, Brian Reynolds? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think I meant to say Reynolds when I said Newman. Truthfully, too. Brian I, I, Reynolds I, has 13 home runs. Is hitting 338. Oh my God! And one didn't he only recently qualify too? Because mm-hmm. that maybe he wasn't leading for a while because he wasn't yet qualified. 
Yeah, so uh, it's going to be an. In- I mean, he he's got a little bit of a lead on uh, on Christian Yelich too. So that's wow. uh, uh, it's going to be an interesting race down the stretch if Brian Reynolds wins. You know, Brian Reynolds will look pretty good at like the top of like a San Francisco lineup. They could use a guy like that. You know? I'm really interested to see where. And that was a jerk thing to say. Uh, <laughs> I'm really interested to see uh, where he goes, like in the two early mock drafts. Yep. Because uh, that's another cheap batting average, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think people are going to overspend on a guy like Brian Reynolds. And I'm I'm here to pick it up. I think I think guys like McNeil and Reynolds and the aforementioned Newman, who's hitting 302, uh, a few other guys out there that that do this kind of thing, they could maybe help you you zig there, you or or maybe even lean into more of your no batting average thing earlier in the draft or even later at the ends of the draft. But then in the middle, you, you, you pad it with these guys here so that if you don't get a Joey Gallo hitting 265 or whatever, uh, you're getting protected by these, by these Brian Reynolds types. Cause I don't think Hans or Alberto's who is yes. fourth in the American league batting title race. Absurd. Or Luis arise. In uh, in Minnesota, who's like basically kind of a Willens Astadio, but not as big of a cult favorite because he's not a uh, portly guy who also mm-hmm. plays catcher somehow. Or but this Luisa... Ronald Acuna. I have not heard of that guy, yeah. so don't really Just know anything about him. Get him late. By the way, I don't really have him anywhere, but I fully supported him going in the first round. I wonder how much of a victory lap the people who took him in the first that got crapped on are doing. They, they've got to be loving it. I think Modica at the Wait, Arizona Fall League. Acuna? Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get a virtually daily reminder that I took uh, Altuve over Acuna uh, by oh. Colin Weatherwax in our uh, main event qualifier. Sorry, I wasn't trying to uh, roast you there. I didn't. I didn't realize. Yeah, no, he, he he just he on a pretty close to daily reminder. You know, he sends me. Well, uh, I remember it was like a thing that Modica took him fourth in Arizona. Like, oh, look at him overreacting to. Uh, to, to you know the the hot hot finish that he had, uh, maybe he should have gone earlier. Let's be honest, maybe he should have gone ahead of Nolan Arenado in in that that draft as well. But Acuna is amazing. Sorry for the derailment there. Yeah. Let's get over to Avisal Garcia. Speaking of batting average, another guy who's hitting pretty well, but he's going to hit the IL right now, I believe, with an oblique. Mm-hmm. Yes, an oblique, oblique injury. least favorite injury. So that stinks. Uh, hitting two seventy eight, not as great as that. 30 average that he had a few years ago but still having the pop 17 homers sneaky nine stolen bases for Avisal Garcia um as far as the oblique goes that's the end of his season right (laughs) I mean mean, that's fantasy that's my concern I was gonna say are you cutting him in shallower leagues I'm cutting him in all formats except for AL only not AL yeah yeah Yeah. so you you can't do it there but uh, but yeah it's a it's a huge bummer because he's putting up that milky Peak Milky yep. Carrera line, which great comp. isn't like super sexy, but it's super valuable as you're like number four outfielder. Yep, it's a it's a glue piece that mm-hmm. you look at the end of the year and it was worth like twenty two dollars, and you're like, damn, I got him for three dollars, or yep. you know whatever the case may be. So great comp there. I agree with you, mixers. I think you got to move on. Obliques are the worst. Al, hold on and pray. Uh, Yo Moncada going out on a rehab for the White Sox. We haven't heard much from him or Tim Anderson. Really, they haven't been really in the spotlight lately. But they're both continuing their breakout seasons. Uh, Moncada has a 301, 358, 535 slash with 20 homers, seven steals. 
Now he's only played 97 games so far. So when he returns, you know, he'll probably finish with what uh, around 125-ish games by the time he gets back and, uh, from this hamstring strain. Where does Moncada's value lie next year? Because he didn't quite complete the breakout, but the bottom line is going to look good unless he he sputters to the finish line. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does rest of the way. I mean, he he's become more aggressive this year. Which I mean is obviously a he's made a concerted effort to be more aggressive at the plate, uh, mm-hmm. and I think it's working. Obviously, it, he's walking at his lowest rate in the major leagues, uh, but uh, I mean he's added this power, this batting average has. I mean that's obviously going to come down. I think he's probably more of a two sixty two seventy hitter. Sure. Uh, I just have no idea where the industry is going to put him in terms of like ADP and ranks next year. Like, I think do you remember he, where he went in the two earlies? Uh, last year? No, or excuse me, not the two earlies. Um, in the um, what's it called? Uh, I'm oh, sorry, the, the Memorial Chance. Days. Oh, I'm sure he went way, way higher than. Well, uh, yeah, because that was when that was when he and uh, Anderson were getting all of their buzz. So he went uh, 50, excuse me, Anderson went 56th, Moncada went 61st. Do you think he improves upon or adds to that, goes up higher, or or kind of stays where he is for Moncada? I think he's going to kind of stay where he is, uh, which isn't barring, a bad Barring like price. in September, right? Yeah. I mean, if he goes off in September, all bets are off. He'll be top 30. I mean, he's only 24 years old. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with Moncada here. You know, those that were kind of writing it off. And I had my doubts for sure because of the batting average with the strikeouts. That was my biggest concern. I thought power speed, sure. But is it going to be with a 230 average? It's going to be painful. Same with Tim Anderson. I had some concerns with him. But I like, I'm okay with Moncada's change here because it's not like his walk rate's nothing. It's still 8%. He'll still take a walk on you if you're going to throw all around him. He's striking out a lot less, too, at a 28% clip after 33% for two years. So I like Moncada. I would take him as a top 70 guy. I got to see how he finishes before I can really move him much higher than that, though. Yeah, I think that's fair. Two aces uh, looking looking like things are going to be better. Garrett Cole was scratched with a hamstring, but he is feeling better. Still unknown if it's going to be an IL stint or was not. Was it a hamstring but then, or a groin? Or groin, excuse me, groin, 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 groin. You're right. Uh, groin for Garrett Cole, but then the rhomboid, the, the back muscle for Max Scherzer. He says he's ready to return. With these two guys, um, I guess what I'm really looking for is not so much about their outlook here because obviously once they're back, you're putting them in your lineup. You need them. But for next year, um, where do you have Scherzer and Cole? Because I did my top 30 yesterday. I had Scherzer 2 and Cole 4 with the one caveat that if Cole resigns in Houston, he would be my number one. Wow. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I'm saying wow like that is like some hot take or something, or I'm uh, I'm taken aback by it. Like I have no problem. <laughs> with I just that. yeah, just everything that they've done. Because you look and the top of the heap right now is Verlander, Scherzer, Degrom for me. They're all a bit older, so give me the younger guy who's doing the same thing. But if he leaves Houston, I got to have a little bit more trepidation and and, and kind of keep him more in the four, five, six range, depending on how Cole. Bueller and Sale finish out. Where where do you stand with Scherzer and Cole for next year? Yeah, they're probably one two for me. Okay. So uh, I, I maybe Cole's one for me, just because we finally have seen a little kind of chink in the armor of uh, of, of Scherzer. Yeah. 
Max is human, believe it or not. Weird, yeah. I know, right? Yeah, he's had a few DL or IL stints this year. Uh, so I he beat know. himself up with a bunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. But yeah, I, they're both first rounders, right? And a 15 teamer. Yeah, probably. I would, I would think so, right? And um, Scherzer, Degrom. Even Sale and Bueller in some leagues, I think, can be. I don't think all six are going to be first rounders, but I think those are your first round pitchers. I think if you're if you're moving up for my for me, my next three are Bieber, Clevenger, and Strasburg. I think if you're moving them up to the first round, you're trying a little bit too hard. I think. Are Are you going to take a pitcher in the first round next year? I think that becomes the 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 more important question because they may be going in the first round, but that doesn't mean we're taking them there. Correct, and I would take Cole. If he was there around like a ten pick, if I had if I had picked ten, I don't think there's any chances there. Well, especially if he goes back to Houston, zero chance. So I think the 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 bottom line answer to your question, without caveats, is probably not. Is he a first? Probably is Cole not. a first rounder if he goes to New York? Probably even more so for some people because of the Yankee tax. Your question is more of should he be? And I'll say yes. Still, I think he still should be. But I will say that's the exact kind of landing spot. That would push me down a little bit. You know how I feel about guys with their first year of a giant deal in a new spot. There has been some research on it, too. Blake Murphy did it in an SP guide for me where um, he found that they are a bit worse. Some of that is the normal regression of like coming off of a big season to even earn the type of contract that you have. But I just like a year of settling. Not everyone peels back. Patrick Corbin's been excellent. He's also been the third dog on the team, though. Cole would be going there to be the guy, and he's second dog to Verlander right now, which I'm not making any comments on saying he can't be top dog. I'm saying there's pressure with that, and we don't know how a guy deals with it. So if Cole does go somewhere like New York or you know Boston went crazy, you know one of the big market teams where he has to be top dog, I would, I would pull back as far as drafting him for 2020. I would want to see the adjustment year. He's never pitched in Houston, or sorry, in uh, in in New York uh, against the. I was going to say, I I really think he has, yes. Justin. I saw him there just uh, the other it's, day. It's, it's ninety seven <laughs> degrees in my office, and I had two <laughs> hours of sleep. You. Get off my back. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's he, an he's never point. he was drafted by them. Rich Garrett Cole was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was drafted by them, and then decided to go to UCLA. So. The fact that he's never pitched there, he might do it in the playoffs, and then we'll get to see what's what. I believe he's a, he's an absolute stud. I love him. But I really just hope he stays in Houston and he'll be my number one guy. Uh, speaking of potential first-rounders, Fernando Tatis Jr., back injury, aiming for a Friday return. Nothing too crazy there, so that's why we're not so focused on the injury and more looking ahead. I think I did ask you this already, but I, I forgot the answer, so I'll just be honest about it. When we were talking some 2020 stuff, is Tatis a first-rounder for you next year? He's going to be close. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be in a lot of first rounds. He might yeah. even have a first-round ADP. It's more of whether or not for Justin Mason uh, he gets there. It's going to be very, very close for me. I, I, I know the batting average is going to tail off. Sure. I don't think anybody's expecting him to hit 300 next year. But it doesn't have to crater either because if he improves the strikeout rate, because he's 20. He can't drink yet. He hasn't had a chance to go crack open a beer, pop open baseball baseball savant, and realize that he needs to 
maybe swing less. Yeah. I mean, he can do that without the beer, but you need the beer to for it to click. That's just how it works. That's science. Mm-hmm. That's science right there. So until he can legally do that, we have we have to give Fernando Tatis a chance to at least improve on his own here. So um, again, I think he's going to track very close to a first round ADP. I won't be afraid to do it. I don't know that I currently have him as a top 15 if I'm just eyeballing it. He's damn close, like you said, though. And I know it's a little bit of a cop-out that we're just saying he's he's close instead of committing one way or the other. But he's he's excellent. Fernando Tatis Jr. is absolutely excellent. The bat who was uh, very, very low on him coming They don't ever the... bring that up online. No, no. Uh, but the bats rest the season projections have him finishing with a 31-20 season gross they're now the highest by the way the bats yeah. now the highest and you know listen i'm biases on the table i like Derek. i talk with him i understand his process um you know acting like he goes in and says ha i hate fernando tatis jr let me push down his numbers as opposed to talking about him with his system and actually having a human conversation with him instead of just being a dildo about it um I like that the the system moves though, and when it does get new information, particularly on rookies, now he's out in front. So he might start behind with some of these, but he wants to see what's what, or, or the bat, you know, the system does. But then when you put in the information of 372 major league plate appearances of excellence, now the bat's like, well, yeah, this guy's good. We just didn't know yet because he had a 50 billion percent strikeout rate. Yeah, I mean. The more projection system gets to see a player, they're going to uh, have better and more accurate information. I, I mean, I I like Derek a lot, too. I think he's one of the nicest people in the industry, uh, and I, I've always enjoyed hanging out with him when I've had the opportunity. So uh, I think he gets unfairly treated when his system is down on a player, uh, and he's it's, wrong. It's the, same, it's the same type of person that, like – like Bill Ripken on MLB the, or Vaskersian that points out every time the shift doesn't work. Nobody's saying it's 100%. I think that Derek himself understands that it's light on rookies and something needs to be done about that because the game has changed. He got it, he got heat when the bat had just 12 homers projected for Jordan Alvarez, you know, and he has 17 in 48 games. But now he's on he's in uh, he's the high man again. 285 average is the highest. 10 homers are the highest. 142 WRC plus is the highest. So, you know, and I don't think it's just like, oh, I was wrong here. Let me overreact the other way. Again, I think it's the data. I think the bat moves quicker than other systems. And I I like that. I like that they take the system in and they're ready to say, okay, we now see something about this guy in the majors. We can put that into the mix and give him a, a more stable uh, projection. Yeah. Um, is he a first rounder for you? Tatis? Yeah. It's really close, man. That speed. I mean, here's the thing. Okay, what what do you think Tatis Jr.'s batting average is actually going to be next year? Let's say he has 280. Between Okay, if you're saying 280, then I have to because I can't out of one side of my mouth take uh Trey Turner in the first round, but not Fernando Tatis Jr. And I know that he hasn't put up the quite of the same stolen base rate of a Turner yet, but he's also put up more power. So if you're just adding homers plus SBs, it's right there. And I do think Turner's still a first-rounder. So at that point, if you're going to give me a 280, I was going to say if you give me a 270. So if you're giving me 280, then yes, I am taking Tatis Jr. in the first round. 
because I think they're going to be better next year too. I think they are. They're going to build on this year, and we don't have to have the whole conversation about whether they should have, you know, had Tatis and and Paddock in. But they're going to continue. You know, they're trying to open their window right now. They thought they opened it this year, but uh, they're going to be even better next year. It's so hard because we just had a cautionary tale in that Ronald Acuna guy. Who I know it smacked us right in the yeah. face. <laughs> just couldn't just couldn't live up to the hype of mm. what he did the previous year. Um, and again, yeah, I, I you know you talk about Acuna. Um, I put Tatis in that kind of class of player where he can not only build on a rookie season but but greatly improve upon and, it. And so. that Padres team is only going to get better around him. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So um, last bit of news here, Carlos Carrasco, uh, obviously battling leukemia, going to face live batters. Fantastic news. I can't wait to see him get back. I really hope he gets back um, and and is able to pitch at at points this year, maybe pitch in the playoffs for them. Let's assume he does, all right? Let's assume pitches live batters, has a rehab, comes back, decent September, quality. You know, he's himself for September in the playoffs. At that point, where would you rank Carrasco, because right now I parked him. I took kind of the easy way out. I said, I'm just going to park him in the honorable mentions. I got to see what's going on. The leukemia situation is the only concern right now. I don't care about fantasy until that's done. But if we get clean bill of health and everything goes well, where do you rank Carrasco next year as a pitcher? He's going to be outside of my top 25. Okay. Uh, and likely, but, but in your top 30? No, probably not. I'd have to really sit down and kind of figure yeah, I, it out. Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot with this. I mean, probably between 35 and 40. Okay. It, don't get me wrong. I, I hope he comes back. He's one of my favorite pitchers to watch. I was early in on the hype uh, for, for Carrasco. That being said, we're not talking about a guy who's had a very good track record of health to begin with. And now True. we're going to talk about a guy who's going to be coming off of cancer treatments and chemotherapy and radiation or whatever they're doing for the leukemia, uh, and asking him to come back uh, in a season, you know, a season after he's only thrown sixty-five innings and be an ace for us. I just think that's a really tall order and a lot to ask out of a guy. Uh, I, I'll be really interested to see where he goes in drafts. Yeah, and I think so much of it is going to depend on this finish that he has and, and how healthy he is battling the leukemia to, to then we can decide where Carlos Carrasco goes. Because if he does look like Carlos Carrasco that we know, I think it will be top 25. If he's more of a muted situation and, and has to miss time again because maybe fatigue sets sets in, then I think people will really peel back and we'll have to see uh, what happens for, for 2020. But uh, hoping for the best with them. Great pitcher, seem you know all, all all reports suggest great guy as well. Just hoping that everything comes through with regards to the uh, to the leukemia for Carlos Carrasco. Let's talk about a few performances now and some more 2020 outlooks. It actually is, and I told you this before. It's like my favorite thing. I don't know why, but uh, when I go on somebody's baseball reference page and it happens to be their birthday. The serendipity of it is, is so fun for me. I don't know. I, I, I'm lame. I, I, this is the stuff I enjoy. Uh, it's Josh Bell's birthday. Uh, so happy, happy birthday, birthday to him. Buddy. His we... 27th birthday. Mm-hmm. Do you know that even with the big wall that he had, he still leads baseball with 98 ribbies? And he was he was trash for a little minute there. Nothing, you know, it's, I don't want to overstate it, but he was he was in his slump, which he was bound to hit. I mean, he had like a 5 million OPS. Uh, so he was bound. I think he basically came out of the All-Star break, and I'm sure, I'm sure the 
home run derby ruins you clowns were just salivating over themselves about how uh ha I was right. He had a 180, 296, 246 with no homers in his first 71 plate appearances out of the All-Star break for Josh Bell. And that took him through July 31st. In nine August games, 344, 447, 781 with four homers, including those four homers coming in the last three games, a two, one, and one. He, He is electric again right now. Again, let's keep him on like a normal trajectory. Let's say he finishes with a... 965 OPS, uh, like 41 homers, bunch of ribbies, bunch of bunch of runs. Where's Josh Bell next year? Who? I mean, I think he's probably gonna go in the second round. I don't know that I will be willing to necessarily take him there because of performance or first base or what is it? Uh, because you like him coming into the year. Oh, I mean, I loved him, but I especially loved his value, and there's just no value true. in that. Uh, his value was so low that I forgot him on the first base preview, if you'll remember. <laughs> so we had to bring him up in a special segment, and uh, we were positive, but no, we did not see this. No, it was mostly Ariel Cohen. He uh, went off. Yeah, yeah. He, he he had identified him as the ATC's like top bargain if, uh, um, in draft seasons. If Alex gets McNeil... Ariel gets yeah Bell. yeah he gets it's, he that, gets it's that kind of association. Sure. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be so worried that he's going to take a step back in power. It just it's just so hard to see him hit forty bombs a year after he hit twelve. So <laughs> I know. Well, it was so annoying that he hit twelve after a twenty six homer yeah. season because he played. You know, he had forty fewer plate appearances. That does not cover fourteen fewer homers for josh bell so it was very frustrating and he's pacing for 44 now it is his age 27 season (laughs) it is the old age 27 breakout raise your hand if you've been in fantasy long enough to remember when that was a thing that's been blown out of the water by age curves now yes i just why i figured if we were going to talk about the uh the home run derby effect might as well bring up the age 27 thing so next uh, we have a breakdown of the verducci effect oh great that's amazing but uh yeah so second round i think you're right i am willing to take him there you know depending on how my first round goes what my what my team plan is i'm open to this because bell makes good contact takes his walks uh, we we saw flashes of the power before. I don't think it's just ball related. Of course, that helps him. I think he is taking advantage of it. But a switch hitter with this kind of power, even in a park that suppresses it, uh, going actually, you know, age it will be his age twenty seven season because he just turned twenty seven today. The cutoff's July first. I'm going to be in on it. Well, and if next year is his age twenty seven season. Yeah, yeah. This this is technically. Then his we age haven't even gotten the power jump yet, have we? <laughs> 56 homers next year y'all get ready for it oh but, all right uh, here you go um who would you rather have okay josh bell or freddie freeman you know i kind of knew you're gonna say that and i really hate you because that's very difficult i think i have to go freeman because bell wants to be freeman and freeman's already there with several years of this excellence he's only going to be 30 which is not i'm not scared of a 30 year old um that team is silly. You know, Acuna's getting a lot of the hype very deservedly, but don't look now at uh, at what our boy Albies is doing. He's at 299, 354, 505 with what he's been doing. Uh, your favorite guy, Dansby Swanson, still been a positive. Josh Donaldson's been hey. good. 
And uh, I think Austin Riley will be fine in the long term. He he was overly electric when he first came. He's been completely awful since then and now on the IL. He's going to be somewhere in the middle next year. I think he'll be like a what? 115 125 range OPS plus uh, WRC plus kind of guy next year with power so it's gonna be a good lineup. do you know by the way he's gonna get a second this year but it's only his second 100 ribby season for Freeman wow which I is know. why you have to be careful overly using RBIs to measure a guy because if you would say that he's bad because of that for any reason well the teams have been he, or the team drunk. has been bad exactly would you rather exactly. have Josh Bell or Peter Alonzo I have come around on the polar bear, but I'm going to go Bell on that one. Okay. The Josh Bell. Polar is a great name. He, he does look like a polar bear. Josh Bear. Uh, Josh Bear. Josh Bear. Josh Bell or Juan Soto. Oh, that one. That one's tough. They go about it a little bit differently, but I think the net value is very similar. I think I give the batting average stability. If I'm doing a projection, I'm going to go Soto a little bit more. And he has that chip and speed this year, 10 home or 10 steals in 11 tries. Had five last year in 116 games. So we knew that Soto could could give you a little bit of a chip in there. And he's going to be 21 next year. I love Bell, but I'm going to go Soto there. Yeah, I'm just surprised that he, that Soto has 10 stolen bases. I think he had four of them in a game, so that kind of helps. 10 for 11, though. It's not like the Jeff McNeil contribution, which is four for nine, you know, guy, or even Devers, who I think is like nine for 17. No, Wait, I, did Soto really steal four in a no, game? No, he didn't. I'm misremembering that. So, yeah, he's had all one stolen base games. That's, yeah, just been chipping in little by little throughout the season. Just, just, just quietly doing his, doing his thing there. He's only caught so. once, too. He's not a guy yeah, who's that, got I, speed necessarily either. So, I don't know. Smart uh, base running. Yeah. You can get bases with smart base running, and, and, and Juan Soto's showing that. So no shade on Bell, but I'm going to go Soto there by by a, by, a, by an inch, and uh, I'm probably going to have them very close to each other in, in a composite ranking for sure. Uh, let's move on here. Let's go to Jose Ramirez, who obviously we've talked about a lot this year, but for once – or not for once. I guess we have recently though too. We're finally talking about him very positively, and he couldn't be hotter right now. I mean, he absolutely looks like the the guy who was drafted number three overall by so many folks. Uh, he's clicking, I swear. I watch a lot of Indians games because they've been playing like Minnesota and Boston, and so I like to watch you know uh, teams that are uh, both playoff caliber going head-to-head when I'm not watching the Tigers. And so he's going off now. And it's not just like a short little run here. We're talking about 44 games, 187 point appearances for Jose Ramirez. With a 320, 358, 651 line, 12 homers, which is a 45 homer pace for where he's at, seven steals, which would be uh, pace to 26 over a full season. Ramirez looks like he's figured things out again with his power, and that was really what was missing. Batting average too, but the power was was absent. It was it was gone, and now he's back up to 17 homers already. Is there a way that Jose Ramirez rallies enough to where you take him in the first round next year? <laughs> oh, that's the question we're we're gonna pose yep. here. Yep. Oh man, I think uh I I don't I don't know. I I don't think that's possible. I guess it is. Yeah, you, you sure. know his, he's, his he's pace hitting. right now. 
is is twenty five thirty five uh, just with the uh, you know the bad two forty seven average, but a twenty five thirty five if that's what he finishes at with like a two fifty five batting average. If Tatis is a potential first rounder, how is Jose Ramirez not if he finishes strong? Exactly, we're doing these challenges to ourselves. Which hey, yeah, you're right. If this talent profile we're is a bigger first round, we really are. <laughs> I mean, that is though, right? Because uh, it, it, there's so many interesting bats right now too and then it goes back to your question about the pitchers in the first round maybe you do zig because they're so you're going to get such a brilliant second round hitter maybe you do go with garrett cole at pick you know six because when you come all the way back you're still going to be choosing between juan soto and josh bell for your first hitter or jose ramirez might even fall there you don't have that's what i want to see too i almost don't want to draft him because i want to see what the market does without me taking him that's a that's a good point, and then that's always a really good strategy for your first few mock drafts. Is yes. don't don't be the guy like you know, in the lean too off early, of some guys you're really interested mm-hmm. in to see what the market does. In the too early mocks, I think a lot of times uh, industry guys want to set the high pick on a guy. I, I've been guilty. I've absolutely um, been guilty of. But it's actually better to let someone else do it. Kind of see where. You know, because otherwise, we had a few years ago when I did it, I was in every single mock draft, and I took Starling Marte in like three of the four mocks we did, and I totally ruined his ADP because I was the one taking him yeah, all the time. You just so unduly uh, influenced it, never really got a vibe mm-hmm. of of what the market wanted on him. So, but it's uh, it's one of those things where it, it's taught me. It's like okay, mock drafts are about seeing where other people are valuing things, not where necessarily you are. So you can write down who you would have taken, but sometimes it's better, especially with these guys like Ramirez, to see where he's going to fall. I mean, right now, in the second half so far, he's got 10 home runs, 6 stolen bases, hitting 320, 346, 680. Jeez, the 6, yeah. Because if Jose Ramirez is not hitting a double when I look up and see him, Mm -hmm. it's it's a homer. You know, it's it's an extra base hit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's lacing things left and right every time I oh look up. Oh, my God. I mean, you want to talk about just being a pure hitter? Uh, his contact percentage in the second half is 90%. His zone contact percentage is 96.8%. If you throw the ball in the zone, Jose Ramirez mm-hmm. is going to hit it and somehow went over for today. So whoever that pitcher was, get him a Cy Young because he stopped. <laughs> he stopped. Was it Rick Purcello? That's not funny, because if it was, I'm going to be we so have, pissed. Yeah, we haven't had a long silence in a while, so I'm glad we were able Stop to. Stop me dead in my tracks. <laughs> oh, no, it was a Johnny Holstaff game. Brian, uh, Brian Johnson, Marcus Walden, Darwinson Hernandez, Josh Taylor, uh, Nathan Ivaldi, who actually got the dub, Andrew Kashner, and Brandon Workman. And so they pitched a hell of a game. Bieber pitched well, but the two runs that he gave up, those alone would have been enough because they only scored one. But then Nick Goody got blitzed a little bit. So it was a 5-1 loss. But anyway, Jose Ramirez, okay, let's let's assume that he won't get a first-round ADP, uh, barring just like literally keeping his second-half pace for the rest of the year because then his bottom-line numbers would be too good. Uh, but let's say he does finish kind of like – with the elite counting stats, but but a two fifty average, and so he ADPs around the second round. Does he become a firm target for you? Is Jose Ramirez then somebody you're like, I gotta get him at pick twenty, you know, pick twenty. Let's just call it yeah, that. Yeah, I mean you have to. He's only gonna be twenty seven next year, and we just discussed about the twenty seven year uh, power. It's, it's guaranteed for performance, dude. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I, I'm going to be back in uh, if he's going in the second round, and I think there are going to be people, especially – the beauty of people starting to perform right now is uh, – It's hidden from it's, the football Yeah, players. the football guys aren't around. So, <laughs> um, Though I think there's also been a little bit of a uh, – in the recent years of, I don't know, almost like a backlash in ADP to that, uh, only because we've oh, seen yeah. guys like uh, Mondesi like, take <laughs> off. So, in terms of ADP coming in the next season, and I almost wonder if it's football guys going back through the second half numbers to see what they missed, and, and they're saying, like, like, and now, now we need to. Oh, I need to talk about this. Yeah, don't. And then, you know, hey, don't let this be hidden. This guy was amazing in the second half. Let's get his ADP back up instead of you know letting letting people sleep on him. Um, and Ramirez could be that guy because remember what happened with Mondesi. He started taking off around August. He became kind of, you know, chic guy that a group of people were in on. And then he just kept, he was too damn good to where nobody, he couldn't, you know, nobody was hidden on Mondesi. Even if you are a big time football guy who just bashed out on your leagues uh, in August because you had to start focusing on football, you still knew that Mondesi was just too legit because he went off and had a second round ADP for crying out loud. Yeah. So that could happen. I do wonder where this next guy will go. Um, he hit six. He had six hits yesterday, including four doubles, and it wasn't an extra inning game. It was just a run of the mill nine inning game. Actually, it was ten. Damn it. Either way, <laughs> uh, still amazing. Six for six with four doubles for Raphael Devers. Uh, excellent work out of him. He now has the MLB most hits at 158. The MLB high in doubles at 43, AL high of 93 ribbies, and an MLB high of eight caught stealing. As I mentioned earlier, eight for 16 is his uh, is his stolen base. But they let the 22-year-old Raphael Devers keep running every once in a while. I'll take the chip-ins because most leagues still don't use net steals, so I don't care. I'll, I'll, as long as they keep giving him like a yellow light to to get those chip-ins, I'm here for it. But let's focus on the power output and the big breakout here for Rafael Devers. This this is chalk one up for best shape of his life because that was a big story about how he cut weight. He felt he was carrying too, too heavy last year, and he slimmed down, and he looks like the guy who was a mega prospect. Talk to me about Rafael Devers and his 2020 outlook. Oh, I wonder if like I think we we're we're seeing the beginning, just the tip of the iceberg in terms of uh, his breakout. Like I think fully agree. I think there is a forty home run potential in this bat. I was just about to say I think there are multiple 30, 35, 100 seasons. Basically, like a, a JD Martinez on the infield right now, and he'll probably move over to first eventually. But that's the kind of that's the kind of impact bat I'm looking at here with. JD himself, which will keep their runs and RBIs boosted. I mean, I think theoretically, I mean, when's Moreland's contract up next year? I think. Uh, oh, so it could be as early as next year. You think? They'll probably keep him. Uh, yeah, they'll probably keep Devers there at least one more season. But I think so. They've got a couple guys in the minor leagues who are, are third basemen that are interesting, and like Nick Norcut, uh, Northcut. Um, so, but I think he's probably a season or two away. Uh, yeah, I just, yeah, I think he is. I, I think we're going to be talking about him in the same vein that we're talking about Josh B- 
Bell in Bingo. Uh, going in Juan into Soto. yeah, and Juan Soto. So we're talking about a guy who is probably going to be a fourth round pick going into next year that should deliver top two round talent or uh, I think, production. I think Arizona and maybe the two early mocks. He he sits around fourth third, but then by draft season he's going to be a fringe second rounder. Raphael Devers is. So that's where I see it going, and I'm willing to pay it. It's a it's a high freight for what he is, but this was a this was a heralded prospect as well, and I I do believe in in pedigree and and guys panning out to where they are. Didn't want to freak out when he had a mediocre year last year. Twenty one year old holding his own. I know it wasn't great, but he held his own for 490 plate appearances. I saw no reason not to buy in. Then you learn about the weight. You feel even more confident that there's a, a tangible change to things, too. And Raphael Devers has been excellent. So I agree somewhere in that second, fourth round range, depending on your league and all that. But uh, I would pay any of those prices right now. Last guy I want to talk about, Yuli Gurriel. He was a late addition to this because he had two more freaking homers. Now, unlike all these other amazing guys we've been talking about, he is not some young up-and-coming buck. He's a 35-year-old first baseman who was supposed to be, going back to something we talked about earlier, that late batting average type. He doesn't cost too much. You know who he kind of reminded me of is, is pre-2017, or excuse me, pre-2018 David Peralta, where you weren't seeing a whole bunch of power, but uh, you're getting that batting average with a little contribution of power. But then David Peralta went and hit 30 homers last year. And now Gurriel has become – like he's taken the same trajectory. But coming into the year, it was uh, pre-2018 David Peralta. Now it seems to be just be like regular old David Peralta. And by the way, I'll mention David Peralta's birthday. I just went on his page and I just saw it on his on his birthday. Happy birthday, David Peralta. <laughs> this is a big day for, for baseball players apparently. Clearly. It's also Giovanni Gallegos' birthday. I might as well get all the other guys who are active right now. It's just those. Oh, Dylan Covey. Um, but anyway, Yuli well, Gurriel. Yuli Gurriel's birthday is 6-9. It is. He shares my mom's birthday. Nice. I think my mom understands the greatness of her birthday. Well, I mean, how, I, I, mean I don't know. I'm not even going there. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Not going to happen. So 25 homers now for Yuli Gurriel. What? How could I? Is there any way I could have gotten you to believe that that was going to be his home run output this year? What What would you have I said mean, if, if I said you told me we're playing with bouncy balls this year? I would have been like, all sure. right, sure, why not? I mean, that's all this is. Or playing and, 189 games for some reason. Yeah, we're 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 uh, we're playing in or we're playing with balls that just are not fair to pitchers. It's uh, and so that's my, my biggest issue with a guy like Uriel is what happens when or if they fix the ball yeah. next year. Yeah. Because what we saw when this happened in, what, 2017 was that in 2018 they came out with a more uh, regular ball. Correct. And so I would thoroughly expect them to do the same coming into 2020. Here's one reason I think you're protected from that, though, with Uriel specifically. He's old. Fantasy market hates old guys. This is so I true. think his his being 36 will mitigate the hype of what's going to be like a 30, uh, 33 home run or higher even perhaps, like a 33 home run season. Uh, the fact that he's going to be 36 next year will mitigate that. If he's around pick, what if I give you pick 180 or later? Where are you on Guriel then? I'd be totally down for that, just because he offers okay. batting average in exactly because if it just goes a back, ton of extra batting average these days. 
if he goes back to just hit, you know, quote unquote, just hitting 290 with with 15 homers, I'll take that. Uh, and that that's only in 139 and 136 games. That's what he, that was kind of his pace in 17 and 18. If he does 150 games, you're talking like 290 and 20. I, so I just I'll pulled up too. the ESPN Player Rater for first base this year. Give give us some info. I'm sure right. it's wild. Cody Bellinger, obviously number one. Freddie Freeman, number two. Mm-hmm. And then it goes all over the effing play. DJ <laughs> LeMahieu is the third player. <laughs> he does the qualify there. Yep. And you could almost make a case, depending on how your team structure is, that you might be better off using DJ LeMahieu at sure. first over second. Carlos Santana is fifth. I love that, by Josh the way. Bell. I love Santana. Yuli Gurriel is sixth. Danny Santana is seventh. Oh, my God. That's crazy, dude. And Gurriel is probably going to move up a spot from you know two more homers. Say he might leapfrog Santana. That's and then uh, where's Alonzo? He's got to be top ten. He's, he's eighth, and then Rizzo Mancini, who Trey uh, Mancini. I wrote about him in the I think the Roto Write Up recently, and it's just putting together a quietly excellent season. He he really is, and I got to imagine Hunter Dozier, Christian Walker, mm-hmm. they start to pop Max up pretty Muncy, soon there too. Jose Abreu then. Dozier, Walker, Hosmer is 15th. Gross. Um, you don't get to Paul Goldschmidt until 17. Reese Hoskins is 21st. Did you did you skip Gallo, or has he fallen that Gallo far? Gallo is 22nd. That's a bummer, man. He was going to – that breakout was awesome. I was really Matt hoping. Matt Olson is 31st. Damn. Joey Votto is 30th. Man. He sucks. I mean, such a bummer, dude. Your boy it's Miguel Cabrera is forty third. Who would ever draft him? You have to be so stupid to do that. Oh wait, I did. Crap. So first base got better on the fly, but similar to like catcher, but obviously a little bit more name value. Um, Our boy it Matt was Carpenter guys. is fifty ninth. See, we knew it. That's yeah. why we said fade we him. Told last you, year. We told you. We he told wasn't you he wasn't going to be any dude. good. Mm-hmm. God, did it take a year to pan out? Sure, but like, hey, man, we don't have the timetable on everything. Speaking about taking too long to pan out, uh, right above uh, Matt Carpenter is uh, your boy Jake Bowers. I desperately hate you. <laughs> Why'd you have to bring him up? We're having a good show. Yeah, I, I know. It just, I feel like uh, we started out on such a high note talking about my win uh, in DFS and uh, and me going and first going pitch, Arizona. And, and then I just I needed to crush you. That's rude, dude. Mm-hmm. Absolutely rude. Well, I'm, I'll just okay bring up again it. that you uh, foolishly didn't put your beastly lineup into like a three dollar thing where you could have won a couple hundred dollars and yeah. bought your daughter a gift or something since you're going to skip out on her birthday. And <laughs> let's be honest, <laughs> you're going to skip out on more because this could be a yearly thing if they move this if that timing lines up. Because uh, I know Colette. Hasn't seen a Halloween from one of his kids, and I don't know how long because of where it used to be. One of his daughters. He's only been to like two birthdays in in like eleven so, years. He said on Twitter. There you go, Mrs. Halloween with both kids and the daughter's birthday. So you both, uh, you're both gonna be. Listen, I, I've never met Mrs. Collette, but I can tell you, uh, my wife will castrate me if the if if I miss too many birthdays. If it's so, a year like, well, yeah. especially once they they un, you know this may be away. a one and done type of situation unless they move the date. You got to you got to lobby MLB to move it back to where it was for crying out loud. I, I don't even understand why they would put. I, I mean, this is gonna it be makes in the no middle sense, of dude. the MLB playoffs. 
It makes absolutely no sense. I don't want to get into it. I'll get fired up. Plus, I got to get ready for trivia. But uh, great show today. Great job with your lineup yesterday. So excited that we're going to be hanging out in just two months now. Almost two months to the day, to be quite honest. It's it's right around this uh, middle of the month time here. So that's going to be excellent. Do you want to do a 2020 draft soon where we do like the first maybe two or three rounds? I think that would be uh, an interesting thing to do with a guest. I fully agree with that. We, we should get someone we haven't had on the show before. I have some folks in mind. We Ooh. shall talk via text. All right. Let's do that. I have a whining Charlotte ready to eat. I got to get ready for trivia. She's but been Justin, on the show. She has been on the show. Charlotte, you're always on the show. You're not, you can't draft. She said, she said she has some good picks, but she can't be on. Uh, but yeah, we'll have a guest for that. Um, we will be back early next week. Talking some more baseball. Justin, take care. Take it easy.